Let's open up to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36 is where we are. And um, we're kind of camping in this one passage as we think about the good news according to Ezekiel, the gospel according to Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36, beginning in verse 22. And once you find that, if your Bible doesn't fall open to that spot, because Ezekiel is where we've been, just stand with me as we read, um, as I read the passage out loud for us, and as we stand in honor of God and His Word. Ezekiel 36, beginning in verse 22. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord, it's not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you profaned among the nations which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This is God's word. Amen and amen. You may take a seat. So we have been working through the book of Ezekiel. We started last fall. Ezekiel, if you're reading through and keeping score at home, Ezekiel has a lot of bad news in it. The first 24 chapters is really the, the nation of Israel uh, being disobedient, particularly with idolatry, bad decisions, bad partnerships, forsaking the protection of God and offering instead this idea of trying to find protection through the alliances with Egypt and with other gods in place of the one true God. And there has been quite a bit of difficulty. And Ezekiel is... Um, Ezekiel is one of the three waves of captives that are taken out of the land. God says there's so, much pro- there's so many problems that we're going to hit the reset button. And we're going to reset the covenant. We're going to take the people out of the nation. And Babylon is going to be used. The Babylonians are going to be used to do this. And so in three waves, there are captives. So Daniel goes out in the first wave. Ezekiel will go out in the second wave. And then you have the last wave. And Ezekiel... Ezekiel is a unique prophet. Ezekiel is, as we've talked about, trained to be a priest, but called to be a prophet. God appears to him in an awesome vision in this refugee camp by a a drainage ditch, the the Kabar Canal. It sounds very exotic, the Kabar Kabar Canal. It's, It's hardly a canal. It's a drainage ditch. And in this refugee camp from all these people who have been taken captive. And Ezekiel is this unique prophet because he is... He's the last prophet to predict doom, and he's the first prophet to predict hope. And that puts him in a very unique spot. He's at the very low point in the life of Israel. And because of that, Ezekiel has a a vision to the doom of what is happening, but also a vision to the hope. And the half of the book is about what, what has gone wrong and what God is doing to correct that. And then the second half of the book is about the hope that God gives 
to a people who've been taken captive and have been stripped of all their identity markers and the covenant, the kingship, the land. They've been taken all out of that. And now Ezekiel is offering hope and that we are in the hope stage of Ezekiel, that this is the good news according to Ezekiel. And the word good or the word gospel means good news. And so we're looking at this idea about what is the gospel according to Ezekiel? In a couple weeks, we look back at this idea of what is the gospel, what is the good news, and we noted that the gospel is really this idea that God's saving power is available. God's saving power is available. And in the the book of Ezekiel, we see that Ezekiel's at the point to say it's no longer God's God's discipline that's available. It's God's saving power that's available. And we also noted something else, that when we look at the good news, we look at what what makes the gospel the gospel and not religion, that we're talking about the gospel, the good news of what God is able to do, and not just religion. It's that the good news is that God does something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. God does something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. Religion is the idea that we do things for ourselves to reach to God, but God has to do something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. And God also has to do something in us that we cannot simply will in and of ourselves. And as we think about the good news, the gospel according to Ezekiel, Ezekiel is going to talk, particularly in this passage, and lay out the things that God is going to do for us that we cannot do for ourselves and the things that God's going to do in us that we cannot do for ourselves. And last time we were here in this passage, we looked at God's cleansing and we noted that God, the first thing in these kind of three phases, three things that God is going to do, the first is that he would cleanse, that he would cleanse us. And as we read this passage, Ezekiel 26 Thirty-six twenty-five. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from your uncleanness, from your idols. I will cleanse you. That's the first movement of the good news according to Ezekiel. And it continues in verse 26. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. And these three movements of the gospel according to Ezekiel, the washing and cleansing, giving a new heart, and inserting a new spirit. And a couple weeks ago, we talked about that first movement of cleansing, and today we want to camp out on this this idea, this metaphor, this, this image of removing a heart of stone and transplanting a heart of flesh. And today we want to explore this second piece of the good news, the gospel according to Ezekiel, that God would give us a new heart. That God would give us a new heart. So Ezekiel 36, 26 provides this image. I will give you a new heart. It's also on, it's our it's our logo, it's our, it's our graphic for the whole sermon that we're moving from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. I will give you a new heart and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So you guys ready for this? The gospel according to Ezekiel, heart transplant Sunday. 
Like we need another medical emergency, right? So God is capable of changing hearts. And what we want to recognize is God and God alone is capable of doing this sort of surgery, this sort of transplant, this sort of work. This is another thing that we need God to do for us that we cannot do for ourselves. And so let's walk through this. Let's note what is a new heart? What does it mean? What is the heart? What does it mean to have a hard heart or a heart of stone? And what does it look like to have a heart of flesh? All right, you guys with me? All right, let's take a look. So in the Hebrew thought, the heart, okay, we have ideas in our culture about what the heart does, okay? It's, usually it's associated with feelings. Well, in, in Hebrew thought, it's very different. The heart is associated with your feelings. Uh, all right, there's some chuckles. All right, yes, that and, so in Hebrew thought, the heart is where we feel things. But the heart is also, really the heart is, in Hebrew thought, is the center of the whole person. So not only is it where we feel things, it's also the place where we decide things. It's the place where we want things. It's the center of the will. The heart is not only the place where we feel things, and in our culture where we feel things is usually we would call our heart, but the place, what would we call the place where we feel things or where we decide things? Where would that be? Yeah, I, I, I was like, the mind, I think your gut. In, in our culture, we might say I have a gut feeling about something or I want something. I can feel it in my, in my gut or I feel it in my bones or something like that. We have these metaphors for what that's like. But the heart is also in Hebrew. It's not only that where we feel things according to the Hebrew mind, the Hebrew thought. It's where we decide things and where we want things. It's also the place where we're attentive to things. And that, that might be our mind. So the idea that what the heart is in Hebrew is what we in our culture, our Western culture, we might say the heart is not only the heart, but also the gut and the mind. It's the center of our being. It's where really everything emanates from. So the question is, what would it be like to have that place of who you are hardened? your heart, your gut, your mind, what would it be like to have that place hard and hardened? It would, it would hurt. It would also be, I, I suppose in Ezekiel 36, 26, it says, I will give you a new heart. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So what is this heart of stone? What is a heart of stone? According to Ezekiel, if you have a heart of stone, it means two things, two things. According to the book of Ezekiel, this phrase comes up a couple of times, the idea of having a heart of stone or a hardened heart. And the first thing is this, a heart of stone or a hardened heart equals pride. A hard heart or a heart of stone means pride. And pride is simply the idea that I will decide for myself. And what God is saying is, you have had a heart of stone, you would not listen to me. Like a heart of stone with pride does not want to listen to anybody in particular. If you have a heart of stone, you would have 
pride, and you would not want to listen to God, nor uh, let alone anyone else in that case. They certainly didn't want to listen to Ezekiel, and God told the Ezekiel as much. You're going to speak to them, and they're not going to listen to you because they have a hard heart. It says in, in chapter 3, verse 7, but the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you, Ezekiel, for they are not willing to listen to me. Because all of the house of Israel have a hard forehead and a stubborn heart. So the first thing about this heart of stone is that a heart of stone is about pride. I will decide for myself how I want to live my life. And pride, I think if we've experienced pride in our own lives and we've seen other people with pride, maybe you haven't experienced it in your own life, but you see it clearly in other people. We have that, I have that gift. I have that gift very, very clearly. But when we see this, we see that pride, pride will produce a hardness. When it comes to hearing from God, like a hard heart will produce dull ears. A hard heart will center ourselves on things beyond, that are just about ourselves, not about the things around us. A hard heart, God's truth bounces off a hard heart. Truth doesn't penetrate. It doesn't get inside. It's not allowed to sink in. It's like the parable of the soils, right? You, you cast the, the, the sower goes out to sow and puts the, on the path, on the hard path, and it cannot penetrate the hard path or even the rocky soil. It can't penetrate. And so the first thing when Ezekiel says, you have a heart of stone and you need a heart transplant, what he's saying is that the nation of Israel has pride. And that pride has shut them off to hearing the truth of God and being able to have that sink in to who they are and what they need to do. I suppose the other thing about if we notice in ourselves pride or we notice in other people pride, that it's not just the commands of God that don't sink in. And I don't know if, if you've experienced this before, but um, with pride, it's not just not being able to hear God, his commands, and obey his commands. There's something about pride that doesn't actually allow us to experience God's grace either. It doesn't allow us to experience God's mercy because I've got it all, if, if I'm prideful, I've got it all under control. And it makes it very difficult to experience God's grace. And actually, it might harden you towards other people. Experiencing God's grace gives us grace for other people. And we notice that with pride, oftentimes, not only are we, we, we are not able to hear, but we're also not able to receive God's grace and mercy, nor give God's grace and mercy. And the nation of Israel had found themselves in a very similar spot. And so the first thing, heart of stone, if you have a heart of stone, that would imply that you have pride. But there's another thing about having a hard heart, a heart that is, that is hardened or a heart of stone. And that is, you have to go to Ezekiel chapter 11, but having a hard heart means that you have a divided heart. On the one hand, having a hard heart means pride, but on the other hand, having a hard heart means having a divided heart. You don't have to turn there, but Ezekiel, in Ezekiel chapter 11, 
Ezekiel is noting, he, he gets his tour of the temple, and when he goes back to the temple, he notices that where there's supposed to be worship of one, the one true God, he arrives in the temple, and there are idols everywhere. And the allegiance of Israel is not focused on the one true God. It's divided allegiance. It's divided attention. There's so much going on. Look at Ezekiel eleven 17. I'll read it for you. It says, thus saith the Lord your God, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries where you've been scattered. I will give you the land of Israel. And when they come there, they will remove from it all its detestable things and its abominations. This is what God says. He says, I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. And in this passage, the implication is that the heart of stone is the heart that has been divided, the allegiance and the, and the love has been divided among the many idols that are in the temple. And in this case, a hard heart means it's a divided allegiance. It's, it's not one, it's not, there's no single-mindedness that God is going to need. It's many hearts. So a hard heart in this case is a divided heart. There might be intellectual assent to God, but the heart has been divided to so many different passions, so many different masters. The heart has gone after so many things passions, interests, priorities that the passion for God has been diluted and even choked out if we want to go back to the parable of the soils. That you have the hard path, you have the rocky soil, but you also have the soil with weeds and this divided interest and the competition for resources. A hard heart will make God compete with the things around. And Israel's key issue was idolatry, believing in God, but also letting their hearts go after other gods. So Israel has a heart of stone, and they need a heart of flesh. They have pride, and they also have a divided heart. Now, before we pile on Israel, it's time to do a little self-reflection, right? Like, it's easy to say, look, they, they've, they've, they've got their issues, and Ezekiel is preaching to them, but in the Bible's perspective, as we read places like Romans chapter 2 or Ephesians chapter 4, there's an implication that we are all born as a result of being part of a fallen humanity. We are born with hard hearts. And that we are born with a propensity to even harden more. That we are not only we are, we are born sinful, but we also participate in that sin. And when we do that, our hard hearts get even harder, that if we were left to our own devices, that our hearts would harden, that they were born hard and that they would harden even more. And it takes a miraculous act of the Spirit to remove our hard hearts. That's a little, little theology, a little, bit, a little bit of theology on a Sunday morning, the idea that we are born because we are descended from our great-great-grandparents, Adam and Eve, who walked away, who they had pride. Think about the, the tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God says, don't eat from it. What do they do? We think we know better. What is that? That's pride, right? 
That's pride, and that produces a hardness, and that hardness is passed along. And because we are children of Adam and Eve, we are inheritors, we're heirs of a hard heart. And we need God to do something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. We cannot unharden our hearts as much as we might try or want to. It takes a miraculous act of God's Spirit to change that situation. And so, as we think about this, Israel's hope, Ezekiel is preaching to people with hard hearts. We admit as we come here and as we think about the gospel, the good news, the good news according to Ezekiel, there's a need for a heart transplant, but only because there's a problem. And as we come to our faith in Jesus, we recognize that, yes, we, we come to new life, but in order to recognize that we are receiving new life, that God is rich in mercy and grace, that there's a, there's a problem that he is trying to solve, and that is our hard-heartedness. We might have pride, or we might have a divided allegiance. We certainly did before we had faith in Jesus. And even now, we come and we, we might need to reorient, we might need to repent of that. And our hope is that God will change our hearts. And if God's going to do what only God can do, He is going to be the one to change their hearts. What does it mean? We've talked about what it means to have a heart, a heart of stone. Well, what does it mean to have a heart of flesh? Ezekiel 20, 36, 26, I will give you a new heart, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. What does this imply? A heart of flesh if pride is a, heart, is a heart of stone, then a heart of flesh is a heart that is soft towards God. A heart of flesh is, is a heart that's sensitive. You think about a hard heart, a heart of stone. It's hard. It doesn't feel anything. A, heart, a soft heart, a heart of flesh will be soft towards God and, it, and His truths. Pride has been broken, and we become soft to His commands. You look at verse 37. I'm sorry, in verse 27, it says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and careful to obey my rules. We begin to obey his commands more fully and feel grief and conviction when we do not obey. We become soft not only to his promises, but to his grace. If pride has kept our ears from hearing truth or even hardened us to grace, a soft heart allows us to experience God's love. One of the books that I, um, that I really like is this book called Aging Well, and it was by this man named George Valent, and George Valent was um, a psychologist, is a psychologist at Harvard, and Harvard in the 1930s started a study. It was, it's what they call a longitudinal study, and what they did was for three years, they took all the sophomores, all the sophomore men in at Harvard, and they put them all into this program, and basically what they did is they, they worked with them to say, we're going to track you through your entire life. We're going to track you through your entire life. And what they wanted to do was, so much of psychology was about pathology and what things went wrong and why things went wrong, but what they wanted to do is they wanted to find people of privilege, essentially, and ask, what are the things that need to go right in order for humans to thrive? 
And so George Valent was actually the fourth psychologist that went over this study from the 1930s all the way to 2000s. And they tracked all of these, all these men. There was also a, a longitudinal study with women in California that they tracked as well as part of the study. But what they were asking is, what needs to go right in people's lives in order for them to thrive in their life? And we might, I mean, what would be some things that you think would need to go well in order for people to do well at the end? Because all these people got into their 80s, and, and the question was, what the people who ended well, what were, the, what were the, the variables that happened that allowed them to do well? What would you think would be some of the things that would help? Health, health. I, the first thing that I would think of is if they have good health, they're going to make it into their 80s. You know what Valent found? That was not true. What he found is that a better, he said, if you took two, fa- two factors in your 30s, high cholesterol, okay, or let's put it this way, low, low cholesterol or a good marriage, what was a better predictor of being of, of health and wellness into your 80s? And all across the board, it was a good marriage. That one of the things he learned is that as people got old, as people got older, that people with bad health still felt well. And that there were some people who had good health, but they didn't feel well. And what he noted was that the people that, even if they, because the, the, the goal was wellness, to feel well, and that there were people who experienced wellness, whether they had good health or not, and those people, what he said, the greatest predictor of wellness into your 80s, octogenarians, right? And what he said was this, at the end of the day, it was the ability to give and receive love that was a predictor of wellness late into your life. Giving and receiving love. And the thing about a hard heart, it shuts that mechanism down. We can't give, we can't receive God's love because we're not able to receive it. And so what God says is, look, I want want you to thrive as a human. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take your hard heart, I'm going to take it out, I'm going to put a soft heart in because I know what you need is you need to receive love from me. You need to receive love from people around, and you need to give love from people around. What he noticed, it wasn't just people who, it wasn't just people who were able to give love. It was also the skill of learning how to receive love. It wasn't just service. It was the ability to receive love. The people with solid friendships who were giving and receiving care were people that he would predict, he could predict in your 30s, whether you would be able to make it into late in life well. And this whole thing about a, a hard heart, that a hard heart, a hard heart will literally kill you early. But God says, that's not the way. That's not my plan for you. I want to make it so that I can do that heart surgery. I can take your heart And I can do what only I can do, and that is I can remove that heart of stone. 
and I can insert a heart, a soft heart, a heart of flesh, a heart that feels, a heart that's ready to love and receive love. We become soft to His commands. We become soft to His promises, soft to His grace and mercy, and we begin to experience ourselves as His children. A heart of flesh is soft towards God. A heart of flesh is also undivided. God enters our hearts, reveals Himself as the one true and only God, and we make Him the center. We don't We don't look at our lives and say, well, how can God fit into this life? We say, I'm going to center on God. Now, what in my life needs to be rearranged around God? It's an undivided heart. A soft heart is an undivided heart. I think it's it's appropriate just... There's so many stories in here. I know that if, if you're here, there's a good chance you've experienced the love of Jesus. You've come, you've come to faith in Jesus. Somehow, God has gotten a hold of your life, and you've recognized, yes, there, were, there, were t- there was a time in my life where I was walking away from God. That might have been as a young child, might have been as an adult, but there was a time when my heart was hard. And that you came to a place where you allowed God to do that surgery, where you put your faith, you said, God, I need you. I need you to do something for me that I cannot do for myself, whether it was cleansing or changing my heart. And I think it's just appropriate for us to just take some time and just thank God for the work that he's done in our hearts, that maybe you have been hard towards God or towards other people, but there might have been an event in your life that softened you, that God broke through. And I think if that's true, if there's something that comes to your mind right now, I think just right now, just thank God for that. Thank God for whatever that event was, that whatever that turn was in your life where God broke through and God did that heart transplant. Perhaps that hardness had not allowed God, God's grace to penetrate, but at some point, God's grace got through and softened you to God and his people. And I think just as you think about maybe there's a person or maybe there's a thing or an event or something that at one point you were hard towards and God has softened you. I think as that comes up, just thank God that he has done that work. And I think also as we are here today that, you know, Putting our faith in Jesus is really a lifelong experience of kind of reorienting, of of constantly going through this heart check, and is my heart getting hard? Is my heart getting hard in any particular way? Like, is my heart getting hard towards God? Is my heart getting hard towards other people? Is my heart getting hard toward things in my life? And that there is a point where we ask, especially in this room, as we come every Sunday, we come to kind of reorient and to say, hey, how am I doing? Where am I at? Is, am, is God just kind of fitting into my life, or am I, am I organizing my life around God? Is my life fundamentally directed at God? And to ask this question, is there anything that we need God to do, that you need God to do in your life, in terms of your heart? Is it hardening? Is it hardening towards what God is up to in the world? Is there a hardness towards other people? Is there, some, is there something that is hard? I mean, I, look, 
if you turn on the news, which I was away, which is great, and you know, it's so great when you go into a hotel room and you turn on the, the news and it's in another language, because I have no idea what's going on. That's, there's, a, there's something awesome about that. But if you turn on cable news, like, there's a tremendous amount of hardness. A tremendous amount of hardness. And sometimes it's that hardness that gets the clicks or gets the, the ratings or, or gets, but I, we, have to, we have to come in here and we have to ask the question, am I getting hard? Is my heart getting hard? And if that's the case, I think what we want to do is we just want to make space for us to be able to ask God to do a work of softening. And I don't know what that is for you. Maybe it's, maybe, I, I don't know if, I don't know if maybe perhaps, and this happens, this happens, that maybe something has happened in your life and you can't really, you've got to wrestle with God and, and rather than wrestling with God, maybe you've run away from God. You don't want to have that conversation with God. And by running away, sometimes what that can do is it can harden us. Like, I don't know how to get back to that relationship because I'm just, I'm disappointed with God. And what I want to say is simply that <laughs> Ezekiel was there. The psalmist was there. These people have been there and they directed their complaint to God and by directing their complaint to God, I think in many ways it kept them from having a hard heart. And maybe your disappointment is with God and maybe what, what God's calling you to do is like, look, I just need you to talk to me. I, I need you, because I need to do a little work on your heart. Because I just want, I, I, I want your heart. I love your heart. I want you to have a soft heart because I want you to thrive. Maybe in our world today, maybe there are things in the Bible that are fairly inconvenient in our culture. And maybe our hardness has been toward the truth. And maybe we're like, ah, God says this, but I don't know. Like, I'm getting a little hard towards that idea. And I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe that's you, maybe it's not, but if, if you're in a situation where maybe you're getting, you feel like you're getting hardened towards God's truth, then maybe this morning you just want to say, God, these are hard things. Sometimes in your word you say hard things, but would you soften my heart towards your word? Would you soften my heart towards your word? And then this is just for me, it's for no one else. Because um, I know I and I alone have problems with other people. Okay? And uh, because you guys are awesome, you're doing great. Okay? Um, but perhaps, perhaps, maybe there's a hardness towards another person. And it's just kind of grown over time. Maybe it's something has been done or said and you just have, you just like, I'm going to let it go, but it just kind of sticks in your mind. And there's a hardness there. And it's just the, more, the longer it goes, the harder it gets. And again, this isn't you, this is only me, so, okay. But maybe this morning, it's just time to ask God, God, I don't want a hard heart towards this person, but I don't know how to have it softened. My God, I need you to do what only you can do in my heart, and that is to soften it. Like, make no mistake, there, there is no self-help book that will get you to a softer heart. 
Like there are things you can do that'll help, like some moments of gratitude, things like that, but ultimately it takes God to reach in and to do the work of changing our heart. We can't change anyone else's heart. And maybe there is somebody you know that you're just seeing them harden, 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 and maybe this morning we just need to pray for, pray for people that we love, that we want to say, God, we don't want those people hard. Man, we want them soft. And we know you and you alone can do it. Only God can change a heart. You think about that, that God can take someone's hard heart and say, you know what, you don't, you don't need that anymore. I want to put a heart of flesh, a soft heart, a heart that knows how to love and receive love. Maybe there's somebody in your life that we need to pray for this morning. So I just, let's just take a minute, let's just bow our heads and let's just, let's, let's take a minute, let's just pray. Let's do some business with God that we want to recognize. Let's just, let's just bow and let's just recognize right now. And just in your own mind, I, in your own heart, I just want you to recognize, God, you alone are able to change a heart. God, we just want to affirm that right now. We want to recognize that you are capable of taking a heart of stone and turning it into a heart of flesh. And we just want to, we want to worship you because you're able to do that. And we just want to recognize, God, that you're here, that this gathering is, is for you to worship you. God, if there's other things that have crept in to why we're gathered here today. Like, we want those things to go away. We want our distractions to go away. We want to just recognize with a united heart that we're here because you are capable of taking a heart of stone and turning it into a heart of flesh. And Father, we want to start with ourselves. Father, like the psalmist says, search me and know me. You know, you know all the parts of me. Father, if there's a hardness that's growing on my own heart, would you point it out and would you do the work with your scalpel, take out that hard part and replace it with a heart of flesh? Father, if there's something hardening in our heart toward you, would you point it out? Would you send your Holy Spirit to just point it out? And would you do the work of removing it and replacing it with a soft heart? God, if there's anything of your truth or in your word that we're having a hard time with, that we're hardening towards, Would you send your spirit to point it out? And would you and your power and your sovereignty reach in and grab the stony parts of our heart and replace it with flesh? And Father, if there's another person that we are being hardened towards, maybe another group of people that we're being hardened towards. 
we call on your Holy Spirit now to come into this room and to reveal that in our own hearts. We don't want to be hard, Father. We don't want to be hard. We want to be soft to you and soft to the people around. Would you do your work on our hearts? We ask your Spirit to do that work. God, we want to be soft so we end well. We know how to give and receive love. That we might experience today that we are your beloved, that we are loved deeply by you. And that there's nothing that can separate us from your love, which is in Christ Jesus. That we are completely forgiven When you look at us, you see the righteousness of your son because we put our faith in Jesus. That there's no longer punishment, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That you've adopted us as sons and daughters. You sent your spirit into our hearts crying out, Abba, Father. You've sealed us with your Holy Spirit. We are your children and you love us. Would you give us a heart to receive that this morning? Father, we love you. And now we lift our voices to you. And we thank you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.